Daily Drive is brought to you by eBay Motors. Auto dealers, are you missing the most engaged buyers because you don't know where to find them? At eBay Motors, you'll find buyers so motivated they purchase a car or truck once every three minutes. Just call 866-210-5362 and mention code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Hi everyone, I'm Steve Smith with Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, October 25th. Automotive News' Pete Bigelow joins me today on the show to talk about his story last week regarding Our Next Energy and the company's recent Series A funding round that raised $25 million in capital. The headline of that story? Quote, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, among supporters of Michigan startups' hybrid battery approach for EVs. Indeed, Breakthrough Energy Ventures, which includes among its investors Gates and Bezos, as well as Michael Bloomberg, Richard Branson, Jack Ma, and LinkedIn co-founder Reid Hoffman, led the capital fundraising round. Volta Energy Technologies, BMW Ventures, Flex Limited, and Assembly Ventures also participated in the round that closed on October 1st. Combined, the group of investors represents expertise ranging from big tech to traditional automotive manufacturing and, according to Bigelow's conversations with company executives, helps the startup stand out among a very crowded field of companies driving innovation and electrified transportation. What makes Our Next Energy so interesting for those investors? How about an approach to EV batteries that are capable of delivering up to 800 miles in range? If that's not interesting enough, how about a battery chemistry that replaces nickel and cobalt with a lithium iron phosphate, which helps alleviate some supply chain concerns if EV batteries are going to be built at scale in America? Bigelow says the company's plans to build a factory in Michigan is a strategic play, one competitive advantage of which might be closer to the potential customers and other partners that can help drive commercialization of the startup's battery innovation. What's the science behind our Next Energy's two-battery system? How is the company preparing to act like a large-tiered automotive supplier? And when might we see full commercialization of a battery technology that delivers nearly 800 miles of range? Here's my conversation with automotive news reporter and Shift podcast host, Pete Bigelow. Pete, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here, Steve. Always good to speak with you. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join me today. Very fascinating article in this week's edition about Our Next Energy. Why don't we start today's conversation? Can you tell us a little bit about what the company is working on and maybe some of the science behind its innovation? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Our Next Energy, which also goes by One, is a battery startup here in the greater Detroit area, Uh, really has a novel concept in terms of extending battery range. And uh, in short, it's that they're not using one battery, they're using two batteries. Uh, One product called Ares, which is a workhorse, and a second called Gemini, which kind of gives the the added range for that that rarer or occasional longer drive that, that consumers want to do. So one of the ways they're getting at that is is using unconventional chemistries than the traditional ones found in the auto industry, at least today. Uh, Mujib Ijaz, who is the founder and CEO of the company, does not like nickel and cobalt because of uh, supply chain issues. So instead, their their primary uh, workhorse battery called Ares is is made of lithium iron phosphate. Uh, so that is that is one of the secrets to their their sauce is uh, is going with a different chemistry that he thinks will keep prices low, even as demand for these raw materials uh, soars in the next few years. 
And they're talking about a range of 750 to 800 miles of charge? That's right. Uh, that is a significant leap up from where we are today. He wanted to do something that was not this kind of you know, 4% year-over-year growth in range with a, a single battery. And part of how they get at that is, is again, by having these this two-battery solution or hybrid battery solution uh, where one battery is, is really tuned to the the daily ins and outs where you're going to uh, charge it often. And uh, it, it has the chemistry that's right for that sort of uh, work cycle. And then you have the second battery that, uh, you know, when you want a long trip is perhaps not tailored for daily use, but, but can get you that extra three, 400 miles. You reported this week on some very interesting f- capital funding the company has received. I think it just closed a Series A funding round. Some very interesting players that are part of that that fundraising effort, that capital investment effort. Can you talk about some of those folks that are investing in this company? Yeah. First and foremost, I think the most interesting one is uh, part of their, their, their Series A was led by Breakthrough Energy Ventures, which is the VC fund that was started by Bill Gates and is supported by the likes of Jeff Bezos and Jack Ma and others, uh, you know, who whose names we all uh, know uh, as household names these days. So that was that's a big deal for our next energy because that is a, a VC firm that does not place small bets. It only bets on on companies that it thinks can really scale globally. Uh, so this is kind of a a vote uh, of confidence for our next energy that. That this is a solution that will will really make uh, a, a big dent in uh, in climate goals as as the years progress. We've also got a couple of local, I think, more familiar players in that funding round. Assembly Ventures, Jessica Robinson's firm. So it's interesting that you're having these ecosystem of investors that represent traditional Silicon Valley and still having traditional investors that represent perhaps traditional automaking. Yeah, very much, Steve. Uh, Assembly Ventures, as you mentioned, uh, from Jessica Robinson and Chris Thomas is is one that, you know, we just talked about the global reach of Breakthrough Energy Ventures. Uh, Assembly Ventures, I think, has a soft spot for companies right here in Michigan, in the heart of the traditional auto industry. Uh, you also have BMW iVentures Fund contributing to the $25 million round for our next energy. Uh, you know, it's really interesting thinking about Assembly Ventures. I think part of what they saw was an opportunity to keep some of the, uh, the battery work going on really across the country and throughout the world uh, focused here in Michigan. So that is, uh, you know, I don't know if our next energy, obviously the automakers themselves are doing a lot of battery work, but in terms of startups, I think this is, uh, this is something of a rarity here in the Detroit area. So what are company executives saying about how they're going to use this new funding? Uh, that is a great question. I think they're they're a going to further their research. Um, that second battery we talked about, Gemini, is still in its research stages, and uh, they're looking to uh, kind of continue that R and D and uh, eventually work with an automotive partner to flesh that out. Uh, they're also going to set up their first battery factory somewhere here in Michigan. We don't know where yet, but that is on the uh, on the short term table. So those two things, and and obviously hiring. Uh, more engineers is uh, is another kind of third plank of of where this twenty five million dollars goes right now to start. And it should be mentioned that uh, Mujib Jazz, who again is the founder, who has a a long uh, you know long career at Ford, Apple, A one two three battery solutions. Uh, he does not want to take too much more venture capital. He's not interested in that. He wants to kind of 
probably take as little as possible as he gets this up to scale here in the next few years. I'm curious. We've mentioned Michigan a couple of times in this conversation. The founder, as you say, has experiences, you know, not only in Michigan with OEMs, but with Apple and Silicon Valley. Given all of that, why Michigan uh, to make these investments? Any insight from your conversations with the executives? Yeah, a little bit. I think um, I think being a traditional uh, supplier, perhaps I know Mujib Ajaz wanted to stay close to the traditional auto industry to work with partners uh, for their first battery, the Aries. They're going to work with um, a tier one supplier here in the area. That is, they have not yet disclosed who that is, but that contract has been uh, signed. So they're going to work with tier one to manufacture it. So I think uh, just being in geographic proximity to to potential customers, to that particular supplier, to automakers they may work with in the future to develop uh, Gemini. Uh, those are all the reasons that that this particular firm is, is staying put, or I should say, putting down its roots here in Michigan. We'll be right back with more. The most motivated car buyers aren't knocking on your door anymore. They're online, but you don't have to look far. You can find them at eBay Motors. Our platform features over 7 million engaged users. Our buyers are so engaged, they enter over 3 billion search impressions per month and buy a car or truck every three minutes. Today's car buyer has high expectations when they browse online. eBay Motors helps you meet those expectations. Use machine learning with our AI-driven vehicle pages, and you'll automatically optimize your buyer's experience. It's as easy as listing your inventory and watching as the most engaged buyers find you. If you've ever uploaded your automotive inventory to a website, you have more than enough skills to get your cars listed on eBay Motors. It will feel like you're setting up an entirely new car dealership within minutes. Once you list your available inventory, you'll have additional support from the platform, including a single destination page for your entire brand. Want to generate more sales automatically? eBay Motors lets you choose between auction, classified, and fixed-price listing options so the site does the heavy lifting. It even integrates with your existing dealer or vehicle management system. All you have to do is list your inventory, sit back, relax, watch a movie, and then check back in to see the sales you've made. How do you start? It's as simple as creating an account. Call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Find out why selling cars has never been this easy. That number again, 866-210-5362. Obviously, for confidentiality issues, et cetera, as you wrote about and as you just mentioned, can't likely get into specific names in terms of partnerships, what they're testing right now. But more broadly, any insight into when we might actually see commercialization of this technology? Yes. Uh, end of end of 2022, they already have a customer in the delivery truck market uh, lined up. So we're going to see production toward the end of next year. We're going to see Aries alone uh, deployed in. Uh, trucking solutions, probably early 2023. And uh, and as they kind of continue work to work on this hybrid approach, uh, I think that that aspect and seeing this go into passenger cars where that range really matters to consumers is a little bit further off. But but in terms of trucking, it's obviously interesting that you, know, you have delivery trucks that are probably running repeatable routes and, and defined routes. So you know exactly how far they need to go on a given shift and exactly how how long they the charge can last so it's an interesting uh, first first customer uh, for for our next energy well absolutely and if you're talking 750 to 800 mile range one of the issues i i believe that comes to long haul trucking in the use of electrified powertrains is the range anxiety piece 
And so even, you know, despite or, or other than last mile, there there could be a future here where with a 750 to 800 mile range and the towing power of an electric vehicle, you know, th- this could probably have some some very good implications in long long haul trucking as well. Yeah, you know, Steve, it's interesting because my uh, initial impression, which which Mujib told me was wrong, was that uh, you know electric batteries are not a great fit for trucking just because the heavy batteries might really kind of reduce the you know payload weight that someone could haul on a given route. But uh, Mujib told me it's more about volume uh, in cubic space and how. Uh, as long as you've got the batteries, uh, you know, laid out in a good arrangement, that 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 should not necessarily be a problem. And perhaps this this first customer in the delivery truck market um, bears that out. That uh, that electric powertrains can be a solution for trucking. Obviously, you're you're in the same boat as me, and we hear a lot about hydrogen use cases in trucking right now, and that's probably mm-hmm. a, a separate conversation. But but I think this uh, this first customer that our next energy lines up shows that that EV uh, technology for trucks is also also very viable. So outside of the technology, outside of the innovation itself, it is hard work scaling operations, particularly when you're talking about meeting the demand that is forecast around electric vehicles, quality management, supply chain, talent, efficient in operations, et cetera, et cetera. How's the company preparing for that growth and, and preparing to operate like a major tiered supplier? That's a that's a great question, and I think that they uh, they thought this one through pretty well, and that's that's the first and foremost reason why that uh, Mujib and, uh, wants to work with a tier one in in this area, at least for the uh, Aries battery to start, is so that they don't have to incur those costs and um, you know scale on their own. They have a they have a tier one who's uh, has that expertise uh, in mass production, and that will be their manufacturer for Aries at least uh, for the foreseeable future. And then they'll build their factory for Gemini um, once it's ready. And that's that's a little bit further down the road. But I think the short answer to your question is, how are they going to prepare for scale? They're going to work with someone who's got the uh, you know experience and chops and capacity to, to help them with that. Yeah, this is a story almost exactly like I had on the show a few months ago where I had the CEO of a company called Group 14 on the show. And they had just announced a partnership with Innobat to bring their EV technologies to the automotive industry. Same type of model. They're behind the chemistry. They've created an alternative to graphite and and working with Innobat to scale that and that that manufacturing automotive expertise that Innobat uh, brings to the table. It seems like it's something similar here, but more broadly here, we have another example of a company that is finding alternatives to those vital metals that are found in, in places, you know, that, that could or could not have good relationships with the United States relative to trade agreements and free trade and, and all of this stuff. Do you think we're going to see more of these types of, of situations as, as the United States tries to shore up the resilience of its supply chain and making these batteries in America? I do. And before we even get to the geopolitical aspects of it, I think that, you know, to Mujib's point that, uh, you know, for so long, Steve, we heard that the cost of batteries were going to come down as as all these companies reach uh, volume production. Uh, But I think what we're seeing is the opposite, that these raw materials are, are very finite and uh, and people are starting to realize that the cost might go up because demand is peaking and uh, it's hard to get cobalt uh, out of the ground, for one example, and shipped here from 
from places like China, uh, you know, or other places where the those geopolitical factors play an important role. And uh, at the very least, I think we you see people recognizing they want that uh, they want to eliminate the potential unknowns from the supply chain and uh, and do what they can in America, if not uh, as close as home to possible. Well, and I think the supply chain shortage around ships really illustrate that all in cost, the cost of that supply chain disruption versus the cost of labor, low cost manufacturing, et cetera, the cost of those shortages, I believe, far outweigh any sort of cost of manufacturing, the battery cost, as you point out, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really potentially penny wise and pound foolish to uh, to rely on, on unknowns coming from overseas and like, yeah, you have unstable geopolitical situations, you have supply chain issues. Uh, wasn't it? It's escaping me right now. Maybe you remember just in the last two weeks or so, I remember reading about uh, somebody was needed their batteries so quickly uh, that they were flying them in uh, versus waiting for for the shipping uh, quagmire to unravel itself. But uh, so, yeah, there's obviously extraordinary cost involved in that. And, uh, you know, really, I think people will start taking a more holistic look at uh, the overall total cost. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the symbiotic relationship or when you think about what we're talking about and you think about climate change and you think about the clean technology agenda in the administration and American manufacturing competitiveness, all of these things are so closely linked. It's a very interesting story to watch as well. Pete, thanks so much for joining me today on the show. Fascinating topic, fascinating story. Appreciate you spending a few minutes with me. Well, very welcome, Steve, and thanks for having me on today. That's Daily Drive for Monday, October 25th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash daily drive. As always, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.